0: episode 60 of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. So glad you took the time to be with us today. In this amazing episode, we have Jillian Hubbard. She's an electrical apprentice way over on the East Coast of the United States called Connecticut. Her and I sit down, we share some space and some time to talk about her journey into the trades, the gap in between getting into and returning to her electrical apprenticeship. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage. This is going to be a good one. We'll catch you on the other side. One. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Really glad that you've taken the time to sit down, walk around, drive around and listen to this episode because it is a great episode. We we have Jillian Hubbard. Did I say that right, Jillian? Mm -hmm. I did. Perfect. Jillian Hubbard. She is an electrical apprentice with Dyna Electric. Now, refresh my memory, which area of the world you're in. You're in Ontario, correct?
1: I am actually in the us and i'm in connecticut oh, right over here on the east coast
0: look at me i'm gonna have to edit that out anyway <laughs> <laughs> you know because as soon as you said actually i'm like oh carson you know <laughs> she's in connecticut and it it's one of the few things that i don't write down but good how's the weather out there you got any snow out there
1: you know we don't have any snow right now we've gotten one decent storm but for the most part we've gone gotten pretty lucky with the lack of snow or unlucky if you're a plow driver. So it depends on how you look at things.
0: Sure. Sure. Now, if you don't mind me saying, you don't sound like a, a person from Connecticut. Like you don't have that accent from Connecticut. Are you imported?
1: I am not imported. I'm originally from Connecticut, but I have heard that I don't have that accent because I'm smack right next to Boston and New York. And I seem to just have a regular voice. And, oh, well, is um,
0: that what happens? <laughs> is it that that f- that frequency from New York meets the frequency from Boston, and they just cancel each other out, and you sound like a Canadian?
1: <laughs> exactly. Sure. Whatever. Whatever anybody thinks, um, it's it's actually really funny because sometimes with certain words, I'll have a little flare come through with with a adjective or a verb here and there, and um, there was a point in time in my life during my hiatus when I actually lived out west and I lived in Washington State and in Utah. And so, um, yeah, so I had come back to Connecticut after that, but um, here we are.
0: <laughs> here we are. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, some of your background.
1: Okay. Um, I am 33 years old, I have four kids. Um, I actually am not only an electrical apprentice, but I am a holistic practitioner, and I've been a Reiki master since two thousand sixteen. I also work with um, different sort of healing modalities within the holistic community, and I um, help women and children with um, different sort of programs and classes that I put together to help encourage them to um, see their value and really inspire them to, uh, take ownership of what makes them unique.
0: Wow. Now what, what, what was the name of that method that you talked about? What method do you use?
1: Uh, Reiki, it is a, it is a Japanese form of healing and it works within the chakra systems. So it actually helps a lot with alleviating stress, anxiety, PTSD, Um, and all of that. So it works within the energy centers within our bodies. So in a way, the entire time I have been, um, working within energy one way or another.
0: (laughs) Oh, That's very cool. So is it, (laughs) is it like, forgive me for my ignorance, but it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, is it where you use like needles and stuff? and, and
1: Nope, that would be acupressure or acupuncture. Um, it's actually, it can be light touch or no touch. And basically I end up channeling energy um, and helping the person release um, what it is that's that they're struggling with and helping them to feel more balanced.
0: That sounds very interesting and kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. So, tell us a little bit about how you came to touch on the skilled trades to begin with.
1: Um, I actually first discovered the skilled trades when I was um, entering high school. I went to a technical high school over here in Connecticut. We have a whole group of them. And there I was able to try out all different sorts of trades. I went through culinary and diesel mechanics welding, drafting, machine tool, you name it. They had, they had about 15. Um, my heart was really set on carpentry or electrical. And I just fell in love with electrical from the very start of freshman year in high school. So that's kind of what brought me to here today.
0: What was it about electrical that set it apart from all the other ones for you?
1: Oh, gosh! I just I think that one of the things that really drew me to it to say, I guess would be the magnetism side of things and uh, the energy just working with power in general, knowing that everything that I create and help create as a team, I'm part of something so much bigger than myself. and Seeing a project go from absolutely nothing from ground zero and then stepping back at the end and seeing what the finished product looks like and knowing that it'll be there long after I'm here is just something that blows my mind and makes me feel so proud. Um, And so I guess that just kind of really hooked me knowing that I could do that. And also I'm a very visual person. And so lighting schemes and that sort of thing really made sense to me.
0: Wow. That's very cool. And
1: I was good at it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that, that helps. Um, So in your, in your practice right now, are you in new construction?
1: I actually am in new construction, but I also do old as well. At Dyna Electric, we actually do residential, commercial, and industrial. So it's a very well-rounded electrical apprenticeship that I'm receiving, which is really exciting for me. Um, when I was in Apprentice here in Connecticut in 2006 and seven, I worked with commercial as well as residential and low voltage. And I really liked low voltage. I still do, but I really love being with a company that offers so much uh variety. That way I can really hone my skills in all the different areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you took a bit of a hiatus from I did. When you when you first went through the the we we in in the province of British Columbia, we call that program a trades um sampler. So somebody would go yeah. through and they would quote unquote sample these trades. And you know, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure how impactful you know, a week or six, seven days in a trade is gonna, is gonna be for somebody unless it absolutely clicks. Right. Yeah. But there was a hiatus that you took between that and where you are now. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So for those who don't know here with the trade schools in high school, what we do for the four years is we have two weeks on in our trade and two weeks off in academics. And then at the end of our high school career, we not only walk away with a high school diploma, but we also walk away having, um, you know, whatever it is that our trade is underneath our belt. So my high school diploma is not only a high school diploma, but it's also for electrical technology, which gets applied to equating to all of my schooling being done for what is required of my electrical, um, license, my E2. So leaving high school, I automatically right off the rip had all of my, my schooling done. Um, from there I had, you know, I had worked in the field for about a year. I, I had my hiatus because I actually had gotten married to a boy that I went to high school with and was a military wife for a few years in my twenties. And, um, he was stationed out in Washington state and I didn't realize my hours didn't transfer. And so I actually had to, uh, shift my focus for a while during, during all of that. And then, um, it really just ended up turning into me focusing on raising my family and my four kids for 12 years until uh, about this time last year when I ended up getting back into it.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, that that that's a big switch to make. Right. And, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my, we have four kids too. Well, they're not as young as yours, but, um, my son is 22 and then my daughter is 20 and then 19 and 16. You get and, it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's, I, yeah, I understand. I, I understand a full house of, of little ones running around, although yours aren't so little anymore either, but you know, um, yeah, no, I get it. Um, and my wife did the same thing; she stayed home and uh, and uh, took care of the house and the kids and and me.
1: That's, that's <laughs> uh, awesome.
0: Yeah, it was it was really good. And now that they're old, and none of them have moved out yet, what they're on the verge, oh. on the cusp. Well, because we allowed them to stay home and go to school, and and oh, that's you good. Know, we're trying to help them as best as we can get a leg up on society. Cause it's just horrible for young people. Especially right, right now.
1: now. Oh, it's yeah. terrible.
0: And um, so my, my oldest daughter's engaged and we're looking at a marriage this year and my son's got a girlfriend and they're really close to yeah. pulling, pulling the, the string and all that other stuff. So the younger two, well, we'll see what happens, but. Anyway. Yeah. That's
1: for down the line. And, yeah, yeah. One of yeah. the, <laughs> One of the reasons why I was able to step back in when I did for the trades is because my life had allowed me to look into options for getting back into, uh, you know, working full time and all that. And my youngest, which is also my only son, Brighton, he was going to be starting kindergarten. And so it offered me that gap of time where, I wasn't going to need to worry about being home with him because he would be at school. And so one of the things that is funny about being somebody in the trades world who's a female is, um, well, especially a young female, when you're in high school, you're always encouraged to really take it on and be one of the boys and you know just really go for it. And there's so much support within certain people. <laughs> and um, you know, the thing that isn't mentioned is motherhood and how motherhood and construction hours are much different than what is actually capable from an average household. So that's something that, you know, there's a lot of women who do start being in the trades but then recognize that they you know, need the time for motherhood. And so they stop doing their passion and they stop being in their trade, whether it's electrical or otherwise, and they take care of their family. And then they think that their dream is done just like I did. And I hope that me getting back into the field really inspires some of them to consider their options of coming back in sometime too, because it was really empowering when I came back into the field last year and I realized that my dreams didn't die. they were just postponed. That was something that really really was just empowering as a woman and at a trades as a tradeswoman. Um, it was just nice to know like I still had the ability to have my own identity and to dream about being a part of an industry that isn't necessarily perfect for women,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough industry for, well, I think for a lot of people, but it's, 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 especially, it's got its own, there's different challenges and they're, I think they're tougher challenges when it comes to women in trades um, as well as uh, some other um, issues that are there. So congratulations. Thank you. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um,
1: There have been incredible strides in the industry though. Since, you know, back in 2006, 2007, There wasn't so much feminism going on. And so back in 2006 and seven, being an apprentice who was a female on the job, you know, the ratio was still there where it was very, very slim to none women on the job. But um, there was a lot more harassment. I can say that now being in the industry um, and getting back in and all that jazz, it was really shocking a little bit to come back in, in a great way, obviously. Nobody wants to be harassed, but it was very surprising because it was like a whole different world. So I think that as far as girls and women deciding to come back into the trades, it really is a whole different world compared to even even 12 years ago. Uh, They really have made a lot of, from what I've experienced, there's been a lot of changes, but there's still a lot of stigma within, within the industry. So like for me, I'm extremely passionate about safety and if I say anything related to safety, then there's brands that are, that I'm labeled with that is, you know, Karen or like, I'm just trying to cause trouble, but you know, had my comrade next to me said something, it would have just been like, Oh, you know, fine. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's terrible because when you talk about safety, like safety is no, has no regard for gender or race or, you know, it doesn't care what you think. Like if you're going to do something wrong, you're going to do something wrong. My dad was a power line technician and um, worked for IBEW. And when I was looking at getting into the trades, when the dinosaurs were still walking on the earth, um, (laughs) I actually picked electrical as one of my top three to get into. But then one of the reasons why I didn't do it well, the, one of the reasons was it was such a long wait list to get in. But the other reason was if I make a mistake electrically, like I know what can happen. Cause I've seen guys like my dad would have drinks with his buddies and they'd come over and I'd see guys without, without hands. Right. There was one guy who had two hooks mm-hmm. and I, I seen the scars and my dad fell from a pole. Like I, I know, I know what can happen. So when I pick plumbing, I'm thinking, hmm, what's the worst thing that can happen to me as a plumber? Well, I get a little water and some stuff on me and, you know, that's yeah. okay. But then again, being ignorant of my trade, I didn't realize just how broad the trade really really is, right? Right. So when you when you decide to come back into the trades after your hiatus, what was it like to return back to a job site after such a a, a long break?
1: Well, I was, of course, nervous. And if I didn't admit that, then I'd be lying but I was really excited about it and you know, I, I just remember feeling really nervous, but really open and really interested in seeing what it was that I remembered. So, um. Yeah.
0: So returning as a mom now and with mm-hmm. some life experience, uh, yes. how did, how did that go over in the lunchroom and, and on the job? site? <laughs>
1: I definitely had to dial down my mom tone Um, and I don't mean with my voice I mean with just like my want to always take care of everybody I definitely needed to and continue to work on that I just try to make sure I'm not you know going down that lane too hard but I because I am so focused on safety I do notice that I tend to probably look at things a little differently being a mom and, um, and being safety focused. And so both of those rolled together is like a delicious cookie. Like it's just a perfect <laughs> mix of, yep, of
0: yep. you know, all the things. For sure. <laughs> but, um,
1: you know, it's, it's hard to say how I really felt in, in a brief description because it was so many things all combined together. And I just felt so grateful for the opportunity to get back into my field.
0: Mm-hmm. What was that first week like walking back in?
1: <laughs> I was so green. I still am. I I mean, you know, there's so many things that I have forgotten. And I I have always said that I will be honest about that. The things that I remember and the things that I don't remember. And I just ask that people show me the way that they like it done or refresh my memory on how things are done because it has been a long time and codes have changed. And at the end of the day, everybody does things different. Anyways, if you put 10 electricians in the same room, you're going to get 10 different ways of doing it every time. So at the end of the day, what I remember, I feel like it matters, but it really doesn't because people are going to train me the way that they want things done anyway. And so that was just kind of my mentality is just be open and be honest about what it is that I know and what I don't know and be open to learning from those that do. Mm -hmm.
0: Are you finding that the the journeymen and the mentors that you're working with are allowing you to kind of put your own style together from this this smorgasbord or potpourri of different viewpoints? (laughs)
1: Some, um, some are, yeah, for sure. I have a couple that I've been working with recently that actually afford me the opportunity to try new things and also encourage me, you know, in in different ways. Um, but I think that we all come across different ones who, you know, might might be less so, Or everybody has a different teaching style. You know what I mean? I, everybody I've worked with has been really great in their own way but there's also the different personality types and stuff like that. And the, the archetypes and stuff. And so, you know, everybody meshes a little bit different and not everybody is going to be perfect for everybody. And I'm not going to be the perfect apprentice for, for everybody either, but it's just finding that, that mesh that works good enough and really getting into the flow with, with somebody when you're working on a project.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you, that hiatus has given you the opportunity to grow in some wisdom and discernment as you, that you might not have had the experience to earlier on?
1: Indefinitely. I think that me working in the holistic field and doing the mindful living practices and getting involved in all of that. I think that our industry as construction as a whole could really benefit from some of that. If I could just, crack it open just a little bit more, especially in the communication department, uh, you know, there's, there's so much to be welcomed into the construction world and the industry that the holistic world really does have to offer. And a lot of it does come down to communication and, um, that's the foundation of every relationship really. And so, you know, one of the things that i think is really important too that i'm sure many people would agree with is you know there's different trades that might work a little bit better with one another and i think that the best projects that we could be on is ones that we work as a cohesive unit all of the different trades you know and um sometimes from print to print it might not read the same so that having that communication and those good relationships and knowing that everybody has a different personality and how to speak with people with different personalities is really important. And I think that that's something that I was given the opportunity to receive.
0: Yeah, that's very, that's very good. Hmm. So what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months?
1: Honestly, I, I, I did not predict the last, 12 months i don't think anybody did
0: <laughs> no, yeah i think you're right yeah.
1: <laughs> um you know the next 12 months i don't know what's coming but i'm ready for it whatever it is i'm just going to keep going with what it is that i did the last 12 months with which is just have faith in what is supposed to happen will happen and trust my intuition and just keep on moving forward little bits at a time and you know keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. That's a good perspective. I like it. Thank you. When earlier you mentioned that you finished all your technical training, does that still roll over with you now that you came back to Connecticut? So you don't have to go back to school.
1: Correct. So I don't have to go back to school. I was actually really surprised to hear I did not lose any of my hours. And so I got to keep all of them. So I actually will be able to go for my journeyman's license in about two years.
0: Well, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. And, um, that's a big milestone.
1: Yeah, it, it is for sure.
0: How's COVID affected the job site for you?
1: Um, how has COVID affected the job site. It's been interesting. Of course we're all fast when we can be or when we have to be in the summer, it was extremely challenging. Uh, I'm an asthmatic, so it makes it a little more oh. problematic.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, no Um, doubt.
1: Yeah. So I've been a little bit, you know, nervous with it, but not too nervous. You know, I've just been cautious. More, More hand sanitizer and, you know, social distancing and all that stuff. The job site's been interesting. It definitely varies between each one and depending on how much the GC is, you know, it all depends on the job site, I guess. I'll leave yep. it there.
0: <laughs> Roger that. Get all, get totally on board with all that. Um, what, what, what do you want to achieve in the next two years, other than your journeyman ticket? Cause obviously that's, that's a big one and that's a no brainer, yeah. but what, what do yeah. you want to achieve in the next couple of years?
1: You know, in the next couple of years, I just really want to be able to soak up as much information as I can from my peers and really get to learn things that I never even thought of learning before and just get involved with different innovative technologies and just be better. My One of my, one of my journeymen actually say like, just be better. Like you can't, you can't be worse than you were yesterday. So just get better this day. And I actually really like that.
0: Yeah. I like that too. Just like be better.
1: <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where I'm at is just keep plugging away becoming the best journeyman that i
0: can become i like that i'm gonna put that on a mug i think just be better (laughs) that's awesome it's almost like it's almost like bill belichick i'm sure other people have said it but he's been you know bill belichick is like just do your job just do your job yeah this is like just be better man just be better Like like dude i'm already pumping it out no you just be better You'd be better tomorrow than you are today. <laughs> it speaks to a little bit of, you know, just be better at that 1% tomorrow. And then, you know, over the year you, you've grown, you know, 50, 60%, right. Which is amazing.
1: Exactly.
0: So speaking of that, like if you were to look past a little bit past your, your, your journeyman ticket, uh, so you write it, you're successful. You, maybe you yeah. spend in a couple of years as a journeyman. Um, yep. what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind?
1: What kind of legacy, huh? How many how many years are we looking for? Because I got four kids that are really fantastic. So <laughs> that kind of legacy I'm looking to leave behind, I guess, to just help make the world a little bit better than when I found it. And I would love for one of my kids to get involved in the trades. One of my daughters, she's really into learning all sorts of different things. She was helping me take down wallpaper, which who really enjoys doing that. That oh. was fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Well, she's she's in a league of her own because I hated that exactly. when I had to do that. <laughs>
1: um, but as far as legacies go, if I could even just inspire a few people to reconsider their decision and and really make a go for what it was that their goals were, that would that would make me feel satisfied.
0: So, what was your experience back in the uh, high school system with trades, and and you know, do you feel that they highlighted it enough or or not?
1: Highlighted which part enough?
0: Well, highlighted the trades enough because, you know, from, from my area, when I was in high school, it was, it was, the rhetoric was very much, well, if you don't want to go to university, which in parentheses, meant if you're not smart enough to get into university, yeah there's always the trades. So trades was always looked at as a consolation prize to university. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I could definitely see how, how that was definitely the mentality back then. Uh, Even for, you know, I'm I'm not that much younger than you, but I'm sure it's still about the same mentality because blue collar workers and being in the trades isn't always it's I've never known it to be something that has been looked at at an equal level of a university degree. But I will say that not everybody is created equally and not everybody learns the same. And I am definitely one of the people, and I think that every tradesperson is somebody who learns better and works better hands-on and has a really hard time sitting at a desk. So it's really, do you want to sit in a classroom or do you want to get out there and work and make your money like as you are learning? <laughs> So for me, I feel like a lot of the way that we're programmed to look at these different what they call blue collar jobs and being in the trades industry, I think that they have it a little backwards because in the university level, you're paying a lot of money to sit there and learn something. Whereas when you're in the trades world, you actually get paid to learn what it is that you're going to be doing. So, you know, these kids that are getting involved with trades from teenage years on, they're able to buy houses in their twenties. Whereas when you're in your thirties, you're still paying off your college tuition from when you were a teenager and you're struggling to get a job, especially with the economy, the way that it is right now and the way jobs are. So I think that at the end of the day, trade school really needs to be a little looked at in, in a way that is appreciated, especially, you know, right now we are the essential workers. If you notice, the blue collar workers are the essential workers. And um, and I'm not saying that people that go to universities aren't because everybody's essential. But I hope that when it comes down to it, the blue-collar workers and people in the trades industry are looked at a little bit differently after COVID and after all this stuff that's been going on. And I think that if we could shift gears and recognize that. Not everybody's cut out for university and treated as an equal. That I think kids will open up a little bit more to skilled trades.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. And and I'm I'm sure you've had the same experience where you've run into people in the trade where you go, This is probably one of the smartest people I've ever known. Right. Yeah. And I I worked with a guy who could barely read. And I didn't figure that out until about a month after he kept giving me prints and all the specs to go (laughs) home and read. And And then we'd have conversations. Right. And so I was the lead hand and he'd give me stuff. I'd go home, we'd come. I'd come back, we'd have coffee. He'd say, so what'd you learn when you read this? And what does this mean? And what is it? And, and about a month in time, I'm like, I, what, this, this is something's not right here. Right. And so my wife goes, yeah. well, maybe he can't read like, just like that. I'm like, no, come on, come on. This, right. guy's, been, he, this guy's like super respected. Right. And I sure enough, he admitted it. He's like, yeah, no, I I got a grade. What did he say? Grade five education. Wow. I'm like, what? I'm like yeah. what? What? Right? And he's like, yeah, I just got into the trade really young. Get left the farm. Good Saskatchewan kid, right? Left the farm. Yeah. Started working, traveled all over, and that's the way it is. But um, yeah, so I've met some really really smart people. There who is have have no had, had no inclination of going to university, and um, well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. No, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, when it comes to skilled trades too, like you say, you meet some of the smartest people that you're ever going to know in the skilled trades. It's, it's ironic too, because I don't want to, <laughs> how do I say this?
0: No, just say it. <laughs>
1: The people in skilled trades need to know a lot more than just their trade, especially electricians. And, you know, we need to know a little bit about all of the different trades in electrical. Otherwise, we can't do our job properly. And when you are dealing with people who are engineers or architects who do only have the college background, they don't know the field and i i kind of wish that it was a requirement in order to create prints you have to spend a certain amount of time in the field so that they can understand the industry a little bit more in the meps department because then our prints would all match and they would make more sense
0: (laughs) yeah no i i agree (laughs) with you i agree with you because i mean yeah, I totally agree with you. And and some of the best engineers that I've had to deal with have been engineers who have one had a trades background already, whether yep. it was their dad or their uncle or even themselves. Yeah. Or, or two, they weren't at, they weren't afraid to get into the stuff with you. Like
1: exactly. I, I remember I
0: remember one structural engineer. He I, we'd be talking and he's like he's just just not getting. He's like, okay, can you take me there and just show me? Right. And I I'm like, okay. So we you got your boots, you got your hat. Let's go, baby. And so we'd go and I and he'd like climb in there and he'd wiggle around like he was just another one of us. That's and awesome. I tell you, like within days, the respect level for this guy just went through the roof. That's amazing. It, it was super amazing. And it made it made, you know, the meetings in, in the trailer that much more smooth because he understood. And he was willing Mm -hmm. to understand, but across the table, it built our trust in him. Right. Like we weren't just like, I've had an engineer look at me across the table and go, I think you're lying. And I'm just (laughs) like, Hmm, okay, here we go. But it speaks (laughs) to what you said earlier about the soft skills about communication and trust. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it it takes a group of people to build a building. Right. And, you know, there are, there are trades that unfortunately get Treated differently than other trades because they're quote unquote lesser trades. And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I would never, ever want to be a drywaller, like never, ever. And yet I've met some really, really good people who do drywall. Right. Yeah. It's it's like an art for them. And I have
1: seen a few.
0: <laughs> if well and, and even in my trade right i've there, there's also some... had
1: my my uh my wires buried quite a lot more than i've been
0: there too i've had my clean notes coming up and uh and so tons of stories there but um but yeah, yes but i agree
1: all trades are equal and i think that it's amazing when people can recognize that everybody needs to work as a team it's not just our team that we have within our company that we're working for. But when we work with the trades that are around us, it really comes together much smoother.
0: Yeah. So if you had an opportunity now to talk to parents uh, with kids entering high school about the value of a trades path, what do you think they need to know?
1: That is a fantastic question. Actually. I appreciate you asking it, Tim. I think that what parents need to know if their kid is interested, in university then encourage them for that but if kids are interested in getting into the trades or if they're not necessarily interested in getting into the trades because they don't know about it but they're you can tell that they're a very hands-on learning type of child I say encourage it all day because that's the one thing that parents need to know and and I'm sure that all do is they all want what's Best for their kid. And I think that as long as parents keep in mind that whether they're going to a university or they're getting paid to learn what it is that they're going to do for the rest of their life, it's all equal. And really, what it comes down to at the end of the day is whatever the child has for a passion, if they're encouraged by the people that love them around them and they find a place that they feel is a good fit for them then they're going to thrive. And that's the bottom line for even adults, I think.
0: Yeah. No, good, good point. Which reminds me, what did your kids think about mom going back to the trade?
1: Oh, they love it. Do they? They really, yeah, they really love it. They think that it's cool that mom's building things. And Mm -hmm. of course I do that whole, It
0: made that. You do Um, that too, eh?
1: Yes, of course.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I've done that too much to my to my family. It's (laughs) such a point where they were just like, Okay, stop already. Would you just stop? Right. You
1: can't though. No, you can't. (laughs) Well, it's hard
0: to and you know the building's gonna last, you know, hundreds of years and you know, you you had a hand in it. The
1: pride that comes with the work is fantastic and you know, one of the things that the kids see on my face, and one of the kids, one of the things that the kids can see as well is that joy and the fulfillment that going back to work has really given me. Because as much as I love being a mom, it really is a different identity than what being a, a working parent is. And I never really got to be that until last year. So it's, it's definitely was a transition because I actually got my job with Dyna Electric two weeks before the pandemic really took hold here in Connecticut. okay. So the kids actually had been taken out of school two weeks after I started working full time, which was very interesting. Luckily um, their dad was able to be home with them. And so he distanced, he's still um, distance. There's still distance learning with him. Um, while I work. But um, yeah, if it if it wasn't for those life circumstances and him being able to be home with them and me finding out that my hours were still good and Dinah taking the chance on on hiring me after a 12-year hiatus, I wouldn't have been able to be where I am today, which is one year closer to my electrical license. So I'm so grateful.
0: what was that interview like with Dinah when you went in and like, and, and they're like, so uh, Jillian, 12 years, like 12 months, we could see that, but 12 years, like.
1: Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it's hard to remember, but I was just, all I, all I can tell you about my interviews and, and all that with Dinah is that I was just very honest. Like, Hey, this is, this is, this is me. This is what you get. And I will let you know what it is I do know, or I don't know, but I'm passionate about it and I want it. (laughs) I'm sure that
0: took you a long way. Right. And, um, yes. You're not the first person that I've talked to in, in trades, but in, in, in all over that have really made this point very clear that the ego is not there or you try to minimize that ego because the right. trades is a great place for egos to thrive right because it's all oh, about gosh, yes. it's all about how fast <laughs> can i install this or how can, how good can i make this work or you know as a as a plumber and in mechanical trades it's like i want that mechanical room because that's the pinnacle of of everything <laughs> that we do and <laughs> you know and, and it's like well i put i put in this much pipe today and i you know and all blah 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 right the trades right. is a great place for ego to be but i wonder if your approach and other people's approaches to trades with that diminishing perspective on ego has helped them get in and be successful.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think that it has helped with being more successful. And I will say that I definitely try not to have ego, especially when I'm still feeling quite green, even though some people feel like I'm not always but I feel like it's probably better to just assume that I am in all areas and be wrong uh but yeah I just uh I don't even I don't even know (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) I think that I think that I just forgot what I was gonna say it's okay that's okay. I forgot what you asked. That's okay. But um, yeah.
0: So what? What have I you? I got cha- a phone
1: call, so it messed up. <laughs> That's <laughs> and okay. I can edit out. So I will.
0: I will. No problems there. <laughs> what have? What have you? What have you changed your mind on recently about the trades?
1: Um, as far as what I've changed my mind on in the trades, I don't really think that I've changed my mind on much. I think that, I guess I. I guess I've changed a little bit in the sense of someday I want to be my own business owner.
0: You do? And
1: I well I always have wanted to, but you know, my 5-year goal is to become an E1 and then I want to have my own business someday and I want to be able to treat my employees the way they I feel like they should be treated and I want to encourage the people to feel like they're being worked with really well and to get people who are parents back involved and make them feel really supported and help them with kids hours. Cause that's something that a lot of companies in the industry aren't able to do. So that's kind of like a very ambitious goal that I have is to create a company someday that affords very family friendly business. I guess right
0: right Not so that's well. something
1: that's shifted a little bit because I'm now a mom in the industry and I'm seeing the different areas that could improve for my own personal but then I'm also seeing where people are doing things right as well and so it's giving me the opportunity to kind of pick and choose the different things that I know I want to be down the line so that's something that I guess I would say is shifted
0: that's interesting. Very cool. What's one piece of advice that you've been given that's turned out to be an absolute game changer for you?
1: Hmm. Hmm. An absolute game changing piece of advice that I've received is to always trust my intuition. I've always been somebody who has been very on point with their intuition and There were times in my life that I was really dragged down and had people who were less than encouraging. And I have come so far away from that. And I have learned to trust my intuition so much to the point where I know that that is why I am where I am right now. The only thing that I can tell you that I indefinitely did in the year 2020. And now that has really gotten me through Is I have just trusted my intuition, I trusted my gut instincts, and I just went for it. As long as I was taking small steps forward, I knew that it was the right way to go. And just having that faith in myself. So that is the best advice that I have ever really been given is just the trusting my intuition and having faith in myself and what it is that I can accomplish because really we do have the ability to create the life that we want. We just have to be bold enough to do it.
0: Is that, is that intuition piece? Is that something that you've always had or is that something that you've maybe consciously or unconsciously built over time?
1: That is definitely something that I've always had. I've actually, even as a kid had people come to me about things, but it is definitely something that I honed over the, 12 years time that I had off. And during those different areas of the mindful living and the holistic segments of my life that I was able to really dive deep into. And lucky for me, I have really been able to teach my kids these different practices as well as well, as well as food, all of our nutritional health too is, is huge as well. So that's another big piece of advice is we are so much uh of what we it is that we're putting into our bodies it means so much to how it is that our bodies are running they so were just like engines <laughs>
0: yeah no so kidding
1: it's how we're feeding our minds and our bodies really
0: so how does coach coach me a little bit on how i can improve my intuition how where where, where would i start what, sorry
1: how could you improve your intuition yeah Well, I would say that a couple of the different things that you could do to help improve your intuition is to take the time, figure out what it is, where it is that you are losing time. So time management is key when it comes to honing your intuition or taking control of your life as a whole with mindful living. So first recognizing where it is that you're wanting to work on and then just taking hold of it. So if you are wanting to work on your intuition, I would encourage you to give yourself a couple of times during the day, in the morning and in the evenings is always best for me personally, before bed and right when I wake up to set the intention for my day. And to also do some deep breathing exercises and maybe guided meditations to start off with, because. If you are just starting out, you may not know how to meditate on your own and get to that quiet space. Also drinking lots of water and hydrating will help. You're actually supposed to have uh, half your your body weight in ounces a day to be properly hydrated. So starting your day with lemon water is actually a really great way to start your, your day. And it helps to flush your different organ systems. So that's a really great thing to start out with too. So just starting to recognize where you're losing time and you can start investing it back into yourself or your loved ones and just really taking control of our time. Because a lot of people, we just sit on our phones and we scroll and that is something that we do without even thinking about it. But if we start setting timers or start recognizing how much time we're investing in areas that, don't necessarily matter in the long run, we'll realize we actually have a lot more time for ourselves than we recognize.
0: It's interesting that you, that you talk about time management because intuition has been this thing for me. And I think for other people, that just seems so ethereal. Like it just seems so almost untouchable in the sense that it's, it's like the, the thing that I think about is that gut feeling. Like you said it a couple of times, I just go with my gut. And I'm like, mm. But then, you know, it's interesting that you you talk about time management as being something that's very tangible towards growing that intuition that, for a lot of us, has been you know that like I said, very ethereal, very untangible. and then, mm-hmm. and yet you're you're suggesting that we take some very tangible steps to create that. Is it is it giving us is it is, is it giving us the space to think about stuff? that helps build the intuition or
1: so what i for me my perspective is if we start recognizing the areas and just taking notice then we're bringing it to our conscious level so all these things that we're doing unconsciously we are then bringing it to the forefront even just looking at a label on your food and you're looking at what it is that you have in it that is bringing that to your conscious level instead of just grabbing something and just eating it because it tastes good. So that's another way of bringing things to your conscious level. So when you're bringing something as simple as time management and you just start, you start out small, of course, you don't just jump right into I'm going to do this every day, which is why I think that, you know, January can be a hard month for people, especially with the new year and people want to be better, but they don't really know how to take those first steps because it feels out of reach. And so the thing about it is, it's not out of reach for anybody, and we're all able to do it. We just have to first take the first step, which is recognizing where our time loss is. And then once we're able to work with our time, we are able to work with ourselves. And so it's really interesting once you start recognizing how much time you invest in areas that at the end of the day don't matter or you can take five minutes more here or there. Um, It it, it is very achievable for everybody as long as they have that as their goal.
0: So do you, maybe I already know the answer to this question, but do you feel that there's a connection between gaining control over the time that you have becoming more aware and mindful of what you're doing and how that relates to the idea of running on intuition?
1: I 100% do believe that, yes. I think that the more that we're able to take the moment to quiet our mind and to go within ourselves and to work within our chakra systems and to work with our higher selves or our guides or just our own thoughts, or just slow down life because we live in a life that is so fast paced that people can't keep up. If we learn how to slow that down a little bit and we take the time to do that for ourselves, then we're able to breathe a little bit lighter and we're able to clear our minds a little bit easier. And then we're able to connect with our intuition just a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. (laughs) Do you have conversations like this in the lunchroom?
1: I don't in the lunchroom <laughs> that much, no.
0: So I'm thinking, yeah. But this
1: sometimes, is a... oh, yeah. sometimes there's a few of my comrades who actually I have, I have connected. They, they are also very connected in different mm. spiritual ways mm. and I've worked with them as well.
0: Interesting. But we
1: don't do it in, we don't do it in, <laughs> on the job site too much. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I could just see the uh the follow from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um so coming coming to the end, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh it's been thank a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Um, just to kind of wrap up, what 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 would you what would you uh say to those um women? What advice have you given or would you give to women, regardless of their age? about investigating trades as an option. So you've talked to parents a little bit, but if, mm-hmm. if you were placed in front of a group of young women, middle-aged women who are considering going into the trades and you had this opportunity to speak to them, what would you say?
1: That's a fantastic question, Tim. I think that something that I would say to women, no matter their age or their skill level or anything, because none of it matters. I would love to encourage an entire nation full of women to take life by the horns. And if they feel passionate about something, to go with it. It doesn't matter with which skill or trade or anything that they feel like. If they have passion, or if they're passionate about it, then to just go after it, because that is where they will thrive as individuals. And that is where they will find their joy.
0: Very good. I'm going to turn the table a little bit on you and say, Mm -hmm. now, now you have the opportunity to speak to a room full of guys. Okay. And we're in the trade. And what, what would you say to us uh, in that room?
1: You're a bunch of tradesmen in a room. I would tell them the same thing that if they're passionate about what they're doing, then to keep on doing it. And if they're not passionate about it to figure out a way to be, because they're obviously in it for the long haul, but if they aren't in it for the long haul and they don't feel passionate about it, I would encourage them to take a few minutes to think about what does drive their passion and to go for it. Because again, you know, it doesn't matter what age or gender you are. If you are passionate about it that is where you're going to thrive and that is 100% uh you know the the best advice that I can give is to figure out what you love to do and do it well.
0: Right. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. So now comes the point in the show where we get into the Fab 5. Mm, and so yeah. these are five questions that I call them rapid fire but they're not necessarily rapid fire <laughs> answers like Don't worry that you have to have that answer right on your sleeve. Okay. And um, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Editing is a wonderful thing. And we can, we can condense all these together. So
1: uh,
0: you ready for the fab five?
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: Here we go. Jillian, what's your favorite food? Bacon. No, okay. (laughs) You're coming back on the show, girl. Yeah, Bacon is its own food group in my opinion. And, um,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah it's, the world, the world would be a horrible place if there was no bacon and uh, turkey bacon. It's not bacon. Sorry. That's Any not other? bacon. I it's was really bacon. hoping
1: I was, I was almost disappointed, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. There, there, there's no substitute for bacon <laughs> no,
1: there really except, in,
0: except bacon. If you want to substitute bacon, substitute it with bacon.
1: Exactly. But no. I would never substitute with bacon. In fact, I would, I would upgrade it to jalapeno bacon. I don't know if you have had that, but there's a pizza place over here in Connecticut who has jalapeno bacon. And I tell you, it is amazing.
0: So, okay. So jalapeno bacon, what do they do with it? Do they fry it with jalapenos? I don't even
1: know. I have no clue. There's no jalapenos there, but it tastes like jalapenos and it's bacon.
0: Oh, they okay. I'm going on the Google after this and figuring that out because jalapenos are another favorite food group of mine. That's, uh, that's good. All right, Jillian, favorite movie or TV show?
1: I'm Outlander for obvious reasons, and I'm also a huge Game of Thrones fan.
0: Okay, nice work. <laughs>
1: And I'm disappointed with season eight, but we won't go there.
0: Yeah, won't touch that. Yeah, although it's been a couple of years since since season it doesn't eight, doesn't it? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That that lingering disappointment just never goes away. Yeah. I'm okay. So
1: disappointed about Ned Stark in season one. So.
0: <laughs> okay. There you go. Beautiful. What's your favorite band?
1: I don't really have a favorite band, but I listen to a lot of alternative. But I also listen to a lot of classic rock. But I also listen to a lot of chick stuff too, like Casey Musgraves.
0: Like who? Chick stuff?
1: Like Casey Musgraves and uh, (laughs) I also really like Colby Calais and some just the girl powery sort of things, Demi Lovato, pink, the ush. But I at work listen to a lot of alternatives. And, you know, those 90s, early 2000s throwbacks and stuff like that. Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Nice. So what's your favorite go-to tech right now?
1: I guess the iPhone, because I don't, I'm not, you know, you ask tech, but if you ask tools, I would say Nipax. Um, <laughs> I'm more into <laughs> tools now than I'm into any sort of tech. The only tech that I use is The only tech that I use is literally iPhone um, for the most part, because all I ever do is work with tools and in at work or I come home and I am mom. So I'm putting on, you know, the mom, the mom deal. So it's just cooking and dinner and, and then, uh, you know, bedtime. So I don't really, I don't really work with a lot of tech.
0: (laughs) No, good. Good. So what what uh what tool do you have that you would absolutely miss the most if it if it just disappeared tomorrow?
1: My linesman's fires, of course.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. All you all I you survived. electricians. All electricians are the same. Those linesman tools, they're they're the like the, they're like the Swiss army knife of the electrical they trade.
1: Really are. <laughs> yeah, like, they are. Yeah, they really are.
0: I've seen my dad I do love, so many things with <laughs> those things.
1: They really are. They are they come in handy for so many things. I even use it to clean my pellet stove. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, pfft,
0: girl. I, um, I No, I wouldn't doubt it. I've seen my dad use them to crack walnuts. Like it's just, okay. My,
1: my boyfriend is also an electrician and he used it to open, um, a can yeah. A can of beans because yeah. I was making chili. He of course. Actually, use lineman's to do yeah. that. Was what, what, what else
0: would he use? Right? Like, I,
1: I didn't have a can opener yet. Well, yeah,
0: there you go. Even <laughs> if you did, he probably has his linesman pliers in his he back pocket. His he's just like,
1: exactly. right. I got
0: my I got my wallet, my watch, and my linesman's pliers. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all
1: you need. And a knife, oh, of course.
0: Knife. <laughs> knife. <laughs> Come on. That's what the side clippers are for on those linesman pliers. Um exactly. all right. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Who's the most influential person in your life?
1: I was thinking about this when I saw your guided questions. uh, And I I was trying to figure out like who would be the most influential person in my life. And it sounds probably strange to say, but I realized that I am the most influential person in my life. And that took a lot of years of me working on self work, all my self care work and all of my deep inner mindful living things that I've done to be able to recognize that, I guess, you know, I think that everybody is their most influential person in their lives, but they don't recognize it because they may idolize somebody who is famous or they put somebody that's in their lives on a pedestal. But when you think about it, if we're really working on our path and we're we're working toward what it is that we are meant to be doing with our lives the only person that can really influence us is ourselves and I was really impressed with my work (laughs) when I realized that my influential person is definitely myself I I am the reason why I am where I am today I of course I've had support throughout the years when it really came down to it everybody is their own influential person and everybody has the ability to create the life that they want so it's actually really amazing when you realize that you gotta you kind of have to own where you are at (laughs) just get better (laughs) yeah just get better
0: (laughs) just get better (laughs) Just get better. Jillian, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, I wish you nothing but the best as you move forward. And uh, I know that you'll have a huge impact no matter w- where you go. And, uh, and, and I know your four kids uh, with their lives have already been impacted by what you do and, uh, and, and, the, and they're part of your legacy. And, uh, and I know that as you move into that journey person, journeyman status, uh, and you have the opportunity to have your own apprentices that will just continue on and, uh, never stop talking about your story. And thank you for all the work that you've done on yourself to, to make you, you, and, uh, I'm sure we'll see and hear more of you in the future.
1: I appreciate you, Tim. I hope that you have a fantastic time doing everything that you do you really do make a difference in everybody's life and i hope that you realize how important you are in this world because you really do make a difference
0: thank you I appreciate that i'm gonna go cry thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks for being here